Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. On today's Billie Jean King Cup Day 3 catch-up. GB do the impossible. Leila Fernandez opens her bakery. And talk of tough scheduling dominates the press room. Chris, today is the 11th of November and we are here to catch up on day three of the Billie Jean King Cup finals in Glasgow at Tennis Weekly HQ. It has been a very eventful, a historic day even for Great Britain yesterday. Fantastic day of tennis and who would have thought it ending up in GB's first appearance in the semi-finals of the Billie Jean King Cup, Fed Cup, whatever you want to call it, since 1981. Did you really think that was going to happen? Uh, I would say no. And I'd also like to start this episode <laughs> by issuing a public apology to Harriet Dart for questioning whether she should be playing <laughs> against Paula Bedosa because clearly she should mm. be. And um, we were completely wrong. But one area we were slightly right on was that Heather Watson was a great number two. So did I think it would happen? No. Did I think we might we could edge the win with the second singles and the doubles? Yes. For me, all the answers were no. I was like... You know, Heather Watson coming in. I mean, she was injured. You know, she was telling us in, in press conference she was injured like a couple of weeks ago. So I was, I was a little bit kind of nervous there. Harriet Dart against Bedosa. I mean, it's got to be said, Bedosa played shockingly. I don't really understand how within like 24 hours, the tennis she was playing against Rybakina to the tennis she was dishing out against Harriet Dart. For me, the difference was just completely night and day. Yeah, it really was. Um, I think with Bedosa, she has talked about how she does struggle sometimes with, with the mental side of the game. And I think yesterday when she did um, a press conference after that result against Kazakhstan, she said she was very relieved that Diaz had put them 1-0 up. And obviously this was a very different situation where it was theirs to lose. And potentially that pressure didn't necessarily translate in a great way for her on the court. But take nothing away from Harriet Dart. She took the ball on early. Mm. And when Bedosa was playing well in points, Bedosa was not winning those points. Harriet Dart was coming up with something special that was really at the top of her level. Um, but I do think looking at the match yesterday, it was not the same Paul of Bedosa that we saw. And um, it begs the question as to why she's able to perform against some of the top players, but really can't bring her best game against players that, as Harriet Dart said herself, should be easily beating her. Um, I was quite shocked, but I mean, amazed by the level from Harriet. And, you know, it was a situation for me, it was quite interesting because it really was backs against the wall stuff. I think Anne Kjofovong used those exact terms after the tie and, you know, going into it, knowing you know what you need to do, 3-0 whitewash. Yeah, not very easy and you know we talk about the the singles and Harriet Dart putting on a, you know a great performance we also had Heather Watson come in for Katie Balter we still don't really know if if that was tactical or, or if that was you know due to uh, injury injury concerns but you could just see how much fun and how how much enjoyment I think a pleasure that Heather Watson takes from playing uh, for her country because she came out 
like she meant business and Parisa's Diaz I mean bless her she had no idea she had no answer to, to what Heather was throwing at her yeah I think it was very different Heather as we um saw her walk onto the court she was really up for it she was relaxed she was smiling it wasn't sort of the same Heather that is almost um focused and wants it to the point of um not being able to to play some of her best tennis sometimes on the biggest stages at Wimbledon so I think this match was super impressive because she was not at all um, uh, inhibited by by the moment or the pressure of what she had to do. She was just up for the challenge. She went for it and she did not blink. And I think we've all seen from Heather in the past that sometimes she's not the best closer of matches and has a, a superb set and then can't get it done. In this one, it just got better and I better. I was waiting for that Diaz. moment to happen and mm. it, it didn't arrive. It didn't. It didn't. It really didn't. It, she just motored through it and... Um, yeah, she loved every second out there, she said, and it showed on the court. Exactly. And I think for her, this will definitely go down as probably one of the, the moments of her season. You know, she's had a few, you know, highs of thinking about that that great run um, at Wimbledon. And, you know, our, you know, she said in, in press conference afterwards, she didn't feel like it's necessarily been reflected um, in her ranking, the successes she's had this season. And I think, you know, this matchup against Parisis Diaz, you know, we were watching it, watching it live. Again, it just shows to me like, it's not really much difference when you get further down the rankings, I think, between a player like Parisa Stias, who I think is ranked inside the top 100, around like, you know, 70, 80 in the world, versus a Heather Watson who's ranked just outside the, the top 100. It really shows, I think, that, you know, you don't necessarily have to take rankings into account with these matches because the, the tie, the atmosphere, the pressure can all have an impact in a way that you just look at it on paper and you might think, yeah, that person starts as favourite. Well, Heather Watson proved that wrong. And then Harriet Dart proved that wrong as well. I mean, completely. And I think everyone spoke about it in press that it doesn't matter what your ranking is. It's about getting right. that win, the W next to your name for your country um, and how inspired people are and how people really relish the opportunity of playing for their country and add in a home tie and add in a, a bonus um, feature here after the Russian Tennis Federation obviously was removed from the competition. Uh, having lost way back in uh, April over in uh, Prague in the Czech Republic, 3-2 to being in the semi-finals. I mean, it's an unbelievable story. And um, podcast We're like a favorite. lucky loser. We're like a lucky yeah. loser on, on, on the tour. You know, we have those, we do have those stories sometimes come around on, on the tour when lucky losers go out in, in qualifying and then end up winning the whole tournament. And it, it really feels like at the moment, GB... It's in that lucky loser sort of spot, aren't they? Because, you know, as you said, they lost in, in qualifying. They were granted a re- reprieve given they're hosting the event and they're absolutely making the most of it. We're on borrowed time and we're playing like it. You know, I think it's um, everything is a bonus. And I was going to say podcast favourite of Barnett and Nichols. I mean, they are mm. loving every second. They didn't play, obviously, in that match in April. So had, we, had this occasion not happened in this way um, and been in Glasgow, they wouldn't mm. be having some of the the biggest wins and some of the best moments of their careers to date. So making the most of every opportunity is really a theme for, for GB here. Absolutely. And as you said, Barnett and Nichols, it, you know, although the tie in theory was over because we had won it at 2-0 after the singles, we needed, uh, you know, we needed Barnett and Nichols to come out firing and complete the the whitewash. So there was still, you know, added pressure there. And they came up against Bolsover and, and Masarova. Great first set 
I thought it really hung on that that tie break, very very close, and then closing it out six two, um, you know, in in the second set. But as you said, they must be absolutely loving life at the moment, almost dreamlike, uh, helping GB to a semi final. For me, what was quite interesting, um, you know, again talking to them afterwards and and talking about the different pathways into tennis and how they you know see themselves as late bloomers. You know, one has come from. Uh, you know, British university, one has come from a, an American uh, university in terms of their kind of trajectory and journey. Um, but again, I've just shown that I think anything is possible if you put your mind to it. And actually in tennis, particularly I think in the women's game, you don't necessarily have to start tennis at such a young age and dedicate your, your life to it. Um, you can get life experiences elsewhere and actually you can reap the, the benefits of that and I think we're really kind of seeing that at the moment with Barnett and Nichols and how they're prospering uh, this you know this season on the tour but also in this in this environment in the, in the GB setup. Yeah and the, the benefit that they've brought to the court is is more than just the play it's also the fresh blood to the team kind of they're not completely institutionalized in the sense of having been you know through the system since they were 16 they really are inspired by the fact that they think that the best years of their tennis are still ahead of them, um, which I, I also believe, based on this win, that next year they're going to have a great double season. And it feels like because they've had that life outside, which Anne also talked about, it's really helped them on the court. And I think we've seen so many players who um, burn out or aren't able to kind of maintain their passion and intensity for, for the sport. Um, these girls are the absolute opposite of that. They're just as passionate as they've ever been and and I think that they're only gonna enjoy being on life on tour and and playing for GB in the future um even more as every year comes by I did enjoy in the press conference it was it was always a struggle at times to to hear them because they were they had lost their voice from all the energy um you know cheering on uh you know their team uh, playing out there so it's quite funny how they were just like getting through the 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 press conference but that was their voices were a little little strained but um yeah it was yeah it was a it was a fantastic performance and a fantastic performance as well we we must say by Anne Kyofovon because we were debating would you keep Barnett and Nichols for the doubles or would you bring mm. in a Heather Watson or a Harriet Dart because mm. based on based on the performance they based on the performances they had just given, they would have been relatively fresh given uh, the nature of their results. So, you know, Anki Offervong, to her credit, held her nerve, stuck with Barnett and Nichols, and they delivered. I think she's done a fantastic job in terms of selection. I think bringing the doubles pair, which was obviously very, very um, late notice, I think it's something that is recognising the nature of how this tournament is. And most teams do not have a doubles pair that no. they both play for the same country that play on the tour week in, week out. And we talked about it in the last podcast. It's in those clutch moments. If you have two players that play together, they know exactly what they're going to do. They train together in a tie break like uh, they had in the, in the first set. In those clutch moments, there are no surprises. Um, and the chemistry is undeniable. So I think it was really smart. I think sticking with them, I was thinking if if... Bedosa plays, would you mix it up? Because obviously Dart and Watson are, are seeing the ball like a football tonight. Would you mix it up? Um, but even if that had have happened, I do think that she made the right decision. And I thought actually at the time, I thought maybe you might remove them just because of the fact that it's a very different situation of going from um, playing to survive to, to playing where you have to deliver, which is probably the highest pressure situation they've been in that first set. Yeah. And there was there were times when lots and lots of close points and 
I think you um, were looking at the stats yesterday and they were so good on break points. So credit to them and credit to Kyobathong. Yeah, I think they saved six out of seven break points. And that for me was really so the impressive. difference in terms yeah, of how you know, relatively inexperienced, but yeah, they just were able to handle those those pressure moments a lot better than their opponents. And GB will come up in the semi-finals against Australia, who confirmed their uh, presence in the semis, uh, defeating Belgium 3-0. We had Storm Sanders, who seems to be the, as, as we <laughs> talked about before, the secret weapon um, of Australia at the moment, playing uh, in the singles and the doubles. She beat Alison van Utvank 6-2, 6-2. Then we had Tom Janovic defeat Mertens. Unfortunately, Mertens had to retire um, in that third set, three love down. And we had also Storm Saunders and Sammy Sosa coming in for Ellen Perez, winning in the doubles. I mean, what do you what do you make of that tie? GB versus Australia? Because Australia also have very handy doubles players there. They might not necessarily be a partnership on the tour, but yeah, Sanders, Grand Sam doubles champion. <laughs> Stoza, also a Grand Sam doubles champion. It's going to be a very interesting battle. For me, it's going to be really important around that, that singles match, particularly, I think, against Storm Sanders. Yeah, the number two singles is going to be mm. imperative. I think it will be a great matchup. Certainly it's winnable, which I think is, if you look at the other play, uh, the other teams that could be going through to semi-finals, would I back us against a potential Canada or a potential Switzerland? Probably not. But against Australia, mm. they are also a similar team where they play their team in the right way to get the results. And they were super smart last year in terms of some of their selection, where they actually had Storm play number one singles previously. So they're also flexible with what they do. They understand the nature of this tournament and the nature of how, how it works. So it's winnable, but it does really depend on who those matchups are. And I think the doubles were really strong. I think the second singles were really strong. And I think anything could happen in that first single. So Storm Sanders is on a high, you know, this season. You you spoke to her afterwards and you know, really you know, it really came apparent to me, you know, what a what a roller coaster kind of she's been on in terms of yeah, you know, emotions. Yeah, it, you know, over the it last, was amazing, Joel. Yeah. Um speaking to her because uh, I asked her because I remember watching in qualification in twenty twenty one, I think it was for Adelaide. I'd never seen her play before. Um, and she got through to the semi-final, uh, the quarterfinals there before she lost, lost to Benchich. And so I just asked her the question um, in press about the journey she's been through um, over the last couple of seasons. And I think she really can, has t- had time to process on it because obviously winning the US Open was so recent. Um, the singles, she reached a career high as well. Uh, and now she reached career high of number eight in the world. So it's kind of um, one of those stories where a player, it's very similar, I'd say, to Barnett and Nichols, where I think she was 26 when she played in Adelaide. So quite late to be kind of breaking onto the WTA tour and just look what she's achieved and what she's achieved for her country. So she did get a bit emotional on that one. So um, I think it was a, clearly it's a, a moment for her and this semi-final is going to be really competitive. Yeah, I agree. And it's great that the uh, organisers, they've announced some £20 tickets to go on sale. So I'm really hoping there's going to be a great atmosphere. It has to be said, the atmosphere was, I think, a lot better from the GB support for this tie uh, versus the Kazakhstan tie. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can keep that up. I mean, elsewhere, we had in Group A, Canada defeat Italy 3-0. Andrescu beating Cocciaretto 7-6-6-3. Fernandez double bageling Martina Trevisan, which we'll get onto in a sec, six love, six love, and then Dabrowski and Fernandez uh, winning in the doubles. Now, 
we spoke about kind of scheduling. We know this is an issue and a challenge uh, with the, the Billie Jean King Cup. Uh, Belgium haven't been particularly happy. We've been in some very weird situations where teams have gone out before other teams have even kind of started their tournament. And Canada are one of these teams who, yeah, they only had their first match yesterday. But again, they looked they looked very, very, they looked very, very impressive, didn't they? Yeah, super impressive. On that point of the, the scheduling, I think we should probably make a mention for Belgium that they were almost scheduled mm. out of this tournament in the sense yeah. that obviously... They definitely felt like they were the hardest done by, didn't they? Yeah, and I think it's because Elise Mertens being a top doubles player didn't kind of get the, uh, the attention that you might need if you're a singles player or a single strong nation in terms of the scheduling. Because as you say, like she played her first match at 10 a.m., on the was it the Wednesday and then they had another 10 a.m. the next day whereas Canada still hadn't played yet so I think um some of the teams here will be helped by the scheduling Czech Republic as well that we'll come on to but um I did feel in that Bianca match that the scheduling for for Italy that really was a a struggle because Conchavetta played uh Teichmann in over three hours less than 24 hours before she went on to play against Bianca knowing that they had to win three nil so I think um it's, it's a tough a spot great, to be in, isn't it's it? It's so tough. And she got to 5-2 and she was obviously play, running yeah. on empty where she was, yeah. she was hitting and having to go for so much more. And there's only so long you can play that before the reality of someone like Bianca Andreescu who can go long matches, she can make it difficult. Um, and I think it was probably the, the exhaustion of the previous day's efforts and playing as a player who's rock solid like Bianca that they really did her in there. So um, looking forward to Switzerland versus Canada because both of those teams I think will be uh, pretty fresh because no one spent that much time on the court today for Canada did they no I think that's going to be I think that's going to be an excellent tie I mean we again spoke with Bianca Andrescu after her match after her victory I loved how she called her the the the, the fans uh, supporting uh, the supporting Canada here she called them her cheerleaders I which I absolutely loved they were they were here in force I was a little bit surprised because there's not really been that kind of much American presence I'd say they've been having to kind of make do with their own, own instruments to bring their own atmosphere within the team but certainly that the Canadian team can rely on their fans to bring a bit of atmosphere I love they were on the they were on the beers at like 11 a.m as well like so they 11 were 15 wasn't it Joel <laughs> it was great it was great on the on the velodrome court um so they really kind of did you know add something and I do think Canada are going to be like a force to be a reckoned with but um you know just talking about on on Andrescu I thought what was quite interesting was she was very confident in her press conference afterwards about talking about some of the struggles you know she's had this year, but also looking forward to next year. Mm, and she was mm. she was pretty clear in terms of her goal, wasn't she? She wants to be back in the top ten in 2023. Yeah, I think this year she kind of talked about the fact it was more kind of getting not trying to rush it or set too many expectations too soon. Mm. Almost the the uh, preparation for 2023 being a big season. She says she feels kind of happy with her game. Uh, she feels good mentally and physically, and she knows that she's playing like great tennis, but she thinks there's areas she can improve on. So I really hope, because you know, I said this before on the pod, but when we had Osaka, Barty, and we had Andrescu at the end of season finals, I thought this is going to be such a great couple of years of tennis, and it's been <laughs> such a shame. It's been such a shame, mm. hasn't it? It's been the, so the, the, fragmented. We've never really got those rivalries going there's been you know some here some there but yeah it's it's been almost kind of a little bit frustrating and I know these it almost feels at the moment we're sort of still waiting for those kind of stars to align but hopefully maybe 2023 is the time that, that I happens. think it's Bianca's year I should have put her in my end of season finals Ooh, sorry Bianca okay 
Okay. I should have. I should have. She's confident. Fernandez, though, I couldn't believe that. Yeah, double bagel, super, super quick time. Trevor San, I mean, Trevor San wasn't even doing her kind of trademark grunting, uh, you know, through it. Silence by Fernandez. It was, it was just, yeah, it was just impeccable tennis from Fernandez. Trevor San didn't really have an answer. And it, again, I'm not going to lie, Chris, I was watching it and I was just thinking, Martina Trevisan, Grand Slam semi-finalist, worlds apart from, from what I was seeing on the court. Yeah, I think it's safe to say as long as we have an indoor um, Billie Jean mm. King Cup finals, a clay court nation has zero chance. And I think it makes sense as to why Trevor Sam wasn't p- uh, picked to play against Switzerland, because clearly her game of slow uh, clay court play does not do well on a fast indoor court. Um, hasn't got the biggest serve, but I do think that despite that, you should be able to pick up some games. Um, on the defence, I would say... Uh, in 2019, Garcia did lose to um, Ash Barty, 6-love, six 6-love, six in a Billie Jean King Cup, then the Fed Cup tie. So sometimes some crazy things can happen in these sorts of events that wouldn't normally happen on the tour because Trevor Sam was playing some great tennis in the very quick outdoor Guadalajara. So you have to um, feel bad for her because that is a pretty humiliating defeat. But Fernandez was on one. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I think it's. I think it sets up Canada very, very well. I think they're going to be one of the. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised if they go off the way, go all the way. If, if I'm being honest, seeing you know their their Ooh. atmosphere, I feel like they've got a little bit of swagger as well. Like you know they've come they in here, they're they cool mean customers. business, uh, and I love the red jackets. A double as well. specialist. A double support. specialist. They've got a double specialist. They've got you know they've got tennis weekly favorite Gabby Dabrowski in their corner as well. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they go. I mean, the final match we did have yesterday. Czech Republic versus Poland. Czech Republic defeating Poland 2-1. Mukova uh, defeated Fretch. Magda Lynette defeating Karolina Pliskova uh, 6-4, 6-1. And then Sinyakova Vondrusova. No Barbora Krachikova winning in the doubles. So, I mean, it was an interesting tie. Again, Karolina Pliskova, disappointing from her. Magda Lynette, I've been singing her praises this week and... I feel like I've been further vindicated by her performance um, against Pliskova, who, again, didn't necessarily have some answers and was, I think, a little bit fortunate that her com- kind of compatriots, Mukova, and then, yeah, Sinyakova and Vondrusova were, were able to get it done when, uh, yeah, she wasn't, she wasn't able to get it over the line. Yeah, I think um, Madeleine, kind of the surprise package of, of this um, tournament in terms of the singles, in her press conference um, pre-tournament starting, Obviously, the attention was on the fact that Ego wasn't here. And she made it clear she plays against top 20 girls on the tour all the time. She's not going to be surprised by people's level. And I think she had a point to prove. And so the question that I sort of have from this is, if Ego had been here, would she have been able to play as well um, and get some of these wins? Because it feels like she's making a point to everyone who thinks that Poland is a, a single-player country, that their, their number two can do some serious damage on the international stage. And she dismantled Pliskova, which... Um, I think none of us were expecting. No, and for me, Poland is is probably the nation. I'm like, if they did have Świątek, they very much could. They're for me are like what could have been the most kind of what could Completely. have been country, given you know what we've seen you know at the moment, and given you know p- the potential of if they were having you know someone like an Iga Świątek in their corner. On that point, Joel. So we've talked a lot about Iga not being here, and <laughs> from the players that have come over, mm. I kind of feel like she she probably was making the right decision 
because it, it has been so tough on the players, especially mm. with the Leeds Mertens and the injury yeah. and some of the turnarounds for some of these players. Um, Senyakova obviously had a bit of a break and then a, a, playing at doubles in the evening. A couple of days later, it's a bit different, but you do feel like it would probably have been a real, um, yeah, not I, necessarily I a, down, a down moment, but it wouldn't have been a sensible, from a mental or a physical perspective, it would be... I mean, to yeah, be honest, I, that's why I have tremendous respect for Lise Mertens. Completely. You know, making making the trip, putting herself out on the court. Maybe she didn't even feel like she, you know, she was 100%, um, you know, against Tomjanovic, playing the doubles as well. Because, yeah, for me, Mertens and Siontek, that's probably the most kind of like-for-like like comparison in terms of a player who decided to go and a player who kind of didn't. And maybe Siontek is looking at Mertens and seeing that retirement and thinking, actually, oh, was for my own personal benefit, I think I made, you know, the right decision. But um, it's still a tricky one. I, I still think like the sway of, you know, being in the team setup and playing with your compatriots, which doesn't happen, you know, that often, I think is a really compelling factor, particularly, I think, for, for nations where, you know, they want to kind of, yeah, play with, you know, their, you know, their friends that maybe, you know, during the tour, you know, they might be playing playing against them. So, yeah, completely. I, I, I get that point a lot. And I think when you also look at the teams, and this is another point on Eager not playing, is the fact that Eager would be playing in doubles and singles. And she would genuinely feel bad if she wasn't because she would know that she needs to play that. And that's what Lynette's been doing in when they haven't had, um, when they have kind of pushed a tie to one-one, the doubles is a bit of a non-event because they don't have the doubles play in Poland for that um, in their team. So, I think it does also make the point that if Eager was able to have a team where there were kind of a, a few more rotations they could do, then it might be something that would be viable for her. But I think if you are the number one player like Mertens for your team, it's very different with Sinjaka. Obviously, uh, it's it's double duty, and that has double duty every twenty-four hours. Much. Sometimes less than 24 the hours. The so, yeah. Yeah. And we asked the question to um, Switzerland, who wouldn't give us an answer about whether they were going to be rotating players. And they are, if we look ahead to tomorrow. So they have um, put Goldie Butch in, which I think is, is really interesting in terms of even though Teichmann and Benchich are obviously the top players, they still have to recognize that you have to maintain your body and maintain your fitness and maintain the level of... Um, kind of exhaustion, I guess, of the, of the team. You have to account for that, um, that you do have to be able to rotate to be able to come home with the title, yeah. I believe. So Switzerland, they're not a two-person team. They're a three-person team. They're three-person a three-person team. team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just, just before we end the episode, as you say, we've got Switzerland, Canada, Czech Republic, USA. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Who is going to be in... We've got GB and Australia in the first semi-final. Who is making that second semi-final? That is a great question. I <laughs> I think that today it's going to come down to the doubles for both. Um, I think Ooh, that yeah. I think that Canada are going to come through in the doubles. Um, I think that Leila Fernandez and Gabby Dabrowski looked incredibly good. Mm-hmm. And last year we did think Dabrowski was the standout sort of doubles player in her group from uh from Prague. <laughs> I remember I watching the, I can't remember which batch it was, but I remember she was on a doubles court with three singles players and she and it, playing with the back of Marina, just, yeah. Yeah, and it was just like quite clear that she was Light just and day. Like the standout. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And then for the for the US check match, I think that Mukova will probably get the win over number two against Collins potentially. I think there's gonna be a bit of magic there for Mukova. And then Ooh. again in the doubles, they have got options. Oh, it's going to come tough, down to the it? wire. I would say the Czech Republic will edge it. I just have oh, a feeling no. that um, no. it's going to get tight. Okay, okay. 
I'll hold you to that. I'm going Canada USA. I think, yeah, I think, again, it will come down to deciding doubles. I think Coco Goff's also going to be a factor. What oh, does, yeah, she, does she play? What does she play? Because to me, yeah, that will be, I think, a big factor in terms of that, that Czech Republic USA um, result. But uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to wait and see. But listeners, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this day three Billie Jean King Cup finals catch up with the Tennis Weekly podcast with me and Chris. We're going to be back tomorrow uh for our day four catch up so i hope you can join us for that but in the meantime it's goodbye from chris goodbye and it's goodbye from myself we'll see you again soon Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.